Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Miss Susan Weed. Right now, we're waiting for our opening song to kick in. Let's see if it happens. Hmm. Buttons aren't responding. Let's see if we do it this time. There we go. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. everyone and welcome to another episode of Green Magic Green Medicine with your hostess Miss Susan Weed bringing the sun back into Susan with S U S U N and this is our good friend Kellyanna all of the songs here on our network have been people that we know and this is Kellyanna the great goddess chanty lady we'll be right back Blessed are we Blessed are we in the morning, blessed are we in the light of the day, as we enjoy the earth turning, blessed are we as the twilight descends and the magic of dusk is upon us. Blessed are we in the dark of the night As we slip into dreams that are calling Blessed are we in the awakening dawn Blessed are we in the morning Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Welcome, Susan. How are you? I am doing well. How are you tonight? Very well. I had a really nice weekend. Except for I'm a little under the weather now, but I'm not going to sit here and cry about that on the air. But uh, <laughs> it just got a little cold. But I can usually knock those off pretty quickly. But, yeah, I was just a what's little... Your, what's your favorite thing to do when you feel that little cold coming on? 
Oh, there's a few different things. It could be something fermented. It could be increasing kombucha. It could be sauerkraut. It could be uh, various tinctures that I like or or even infusions. So there's a, there's a few different things that I'll do to... Um, uh, and, of course, sometimes just trying to sweat it out. Sometimes that works. <laughs> Not always, that but sometimes. That is an old heroic <laughs> thing to do is to sweat it out. Um, yeah. And if you're in really good health, that can have really some surprising results. In my um, breast book, and October, of course, is Breast Health Awareness Month. We don't want to focus on cancer at all. And I'm suggesting we change the ribbon color to purple since men can get breast cancer too. And if their mm. color is blue and girls' color is pink, then pink and blue make purple. So let's have October have a purple ribbon and be breast health awareness. But uh, one of the things I talk about in that book is Coley's toxins. And Coley lived some time ago, not real long ago, and he noticed that his cancer patients got better if they had really bad diseases that gave them huge fevers, like erysipelas. And he actually developed a mix of diseases called Coley's toxins that he would inject into people who had cancer. Some of them died of it because sweating it out can kill you. Uh, you can have convulsions. You can die, especially if you have a weak immune system, if you're very old, very young, or you've had a concussion and your fever uh, mechanism doesn't work exactly right in your head. Uh, but those that didn't die, their cancer definitely went away. Hmm. Hmm. So there isn't anything that we can sweat out. And so sweating out a cold isn't going to, like, sweat out the virus that causes the cold. It's not going to sweat out any toxins that we think might have anything to do with the cold. But the increase in temperature in the body does kill viruses. Viruses and bacteria are um, the ones that cause sickness in us are sensitive to temperature changes. And when the temperature, hang on, I just heard a very odd noise from outside. Did you hear that? Oh, okay. Mm, Heard something. You heard it too. I thought I did. I thought I heard a little something. Or was it an electronic noise or an outside noise? Maybe. I don't don't know. Kind of like a squeal, right? Maybe it was an electronic noise. Okay, well, Mm. it, it hasn't reappeared, so we'll just say that whatever it was. Was a one. It goes in the machine. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll say it was the machine. <laughs> the imp in the machine there. <clears throat> so, to get back to what we were talking about, which was. It was. Um, was it Ustia? Colds and flus. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, we were back to oh, cold and flu. I, I'm I'm thinking. See, I'm thinking in the past. I'm thinking weeks behind. Um, let's go ahead. I told you I'm not well, so my mind isn't 100% well right now. But I did have a lovely uh, Saturday. I went to a, it's called the Thousand Goddesses Festival. And Oh, how wonderful. Were there a thousand goddesses there? Uh, well, I, I don't know if there was a thousand, but I was hanging out with maybe three of my favorite. <laughs> All um, right, count. 
Um, and I'm blessed to have many wise women in my life. Um, so, yeah, it was a really nice day and just nice energy and being around great um, wise women and all of that. So it was very nice. All right. And where does this take place? D.C., Washington, D.C., right in the nation's capital, near the monument, actually. All right. Not too far away. Organized. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. It was. Um, it was new. It was. You know, there were speakers and there was. It, it, I actually liked that it was a little bit loose because whenever I go to something, I'm not a great. Um, how do I say this? Without dominating the show, let me say it quickly. I, I'm not a great audience member. I, I like to have something to do. Like so, I like if I can help or set up equipment or bang on a drum or do something. And so at one point it kind of turned into like a drum circle thing. So I was kind of glad that I was able to just, you know, bang on a tambourine or a drum and and be part of it um, more than just an observer, if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, You like to participate. Yes. Very much so. You like to participate and contribute. How wonderful. Mm-hmm. How wonderful. How wonderful that you enjoy participating. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. And so, uh, yeah, I was going up and I was like, hey, you know, I don't think your microphone is loud enough. Because they're not musicians, so they're not. It always happens with festivals like this, especially pagan ones. They're just like sometimes the people involved, they're, they might be great speakers, but they're not thinking in terms of sound, like me being a musician, right? So I'm thinking, okay, the mic's not loud enough. Let's get the PA speakers up a little higher. Let's do this. Let's do that. You know, just all that kind of thing. <laughs> and I'm going up and I'm talking to the lady about that after the one lady I was with was saying, go up and tell her it's not loud enough. You know, so I'm like, okay, I will. And eventually it got a little better. It started to improve as the day went on. Because <laughs> you don't want the speakers to not be heard, and they were doing chants, and, you know, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Right. I mean, it's just, it's not fun if somebody's doing something and you can't hear them. Yeah, right. Yeah. Especially if there's a system that's supposed to allow you to hear them. Mm. Yeah, right. Mm. There's supposed to be something. There, that's um, right. <laughs> technology and <laughs> yes, it was and definitely all fun. And all the different DC, Washington DC, uh, pagan ladies and all come out and dance around, and there was a big old circle and all of that. And as I said, I was with three of my favorite goddesses, I think, uh, that weekend. So that was cool. So it was good. I was just. I was just okay. mentioning on my show this evening that we're coming close to the end of the year, that Halloween is the witch's new year. Yeah. And that always seems to take people by surprise. And they say, well, if you're on an agricultural year, this is this is it. This is like the end. The fairies go away. The gates close. And then there's thinning a the veil after the after the or the closing of the veil after the thinning of the veil. Yeah. Exactly. Thinning of the veil so the Day of the Dead, when we talk to those who've passed through, because the veil is thin on those on that day, which is part of what Halloween is about, right? And then that's it. Then you know, then psh, we're done. You know, we've done the whole cycle through to death, and now it's to conception. 
And the conception is what really starts the whole process. And that conception is in the dark and in the quiet of the winter and then comes forth, is born forth in spring. Mm. Right. And when you're part of an agricultural cycle and when you're part of it from a woman's view, then we know that that secret part of the conception has to exist, otherwise there's nothing to give birth to. And it's also um, the other half of the year where the veil is, becomes thin again. So there's two where they're thin. Um, yeah. So in and, and, uh, and so, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I have been, just as far as awakenings and everything you you mentioning, uh, I've always been blessed with a lot of very smart ladies and wise women in my life. So I never shy away from mentioning that. Um, certain mentors I've had have been female, and people will be like, "Oh, well, that doesn't, you know, macho." But it's very true, and so I think that the recognition of both cycles, the recognition of you know male and female, including yin and yang, everything else, and I'll end it there. Is you know, part of it's part of life. We can all learn in in from that and. Absolutely. So we're, we have tonight's show and next Tuesday night's show, and then I'm going to be in Australia for the rest of November. Oh. Ah! So we won't have a show again until the first Tuesday of December. Oh, okay. That so actually what we're falls convenient. <laughs> yes, we're going to wrap up our work with Stephen Herod Booner's Herbal Antibiotics book this week and next week. And then we will start a whole new theme starting in December. And probably adaptogens. I want to spend this coming year getting more familiar with adaptogens and um, why we would call a plant an adaptogen and what we're seeing about adaptogens. Not that there isn't a lot more wonderful information in herbal antibiotics, natural alternatives for treating drug-resistant bacteria by Stephen Herod Booner. We have been working on this for what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. It looks like about six months. I keep notes on what we've done. And we certainly have not covered all of the plants in his book. We've covered Artemisia, honey, ginger, astragalus, the berberine rich plants, reishi mushrooms, bone set, juniper. Uh, Luthrococcus, Usnia, and uh, we have not talked about um, Rhodiola, Red Root, Eleuthero. We haven't talked very much about Echinacea or Ashwagandha or Licorice. Oh, yeah, we haven't even mentioned Ashwagandha, I think. Right? Or Cryptolepsis. Or Bidens or Alcornia. These are all plants that he focuses on in herbal antibiotics. So if you're thinking, oh, I could just listen to Susan read it to me. I haven't even read like 25% of it to you. This is a book that is very, very deep and rich. So we just have two more weeks. What are we going to focus on? I want to focus on Sida. Sida 
is a plant that I have come into contact with in Costa Rica. It's a member of the Malvaceae family, which is also called the hibiscus family. It's a very large family of predominantly tropical plants, but not just tropical plants. Malvaceae plants that grow in temperate regions include such famous herbal medicines as marshmallow, such beautiful ornamental plants as Rose of Sharon, and such common garden weeds as Malva neglecta. Now, all of the Malvaceae plants are edible. Every part of them is edible. Their leaves are edible. Their flowers are edible. Their seeds are edible. Okra is in the Malvaceae family. There's a seed pod in the Malvaceae family that is edible. And most of them are good for us. They're kind of slimy. They're going to be stars in my, you know, Susan Weed's mucus field diet healing book that I keep threatening that I'm going to write. Um, but Sita <laughs> is not a very big plant. It's just like it's a pretty small plant. I first met it in southern Florida where I was introduced to it as strongback. And when I went to Jamaica, one of the participants in the workshop that I was leading asked if I could show her strongback. She had heard some Jamaicans talking about it, and I said, let's go and, and look. I usually see it growing along the edges of roads. And we found some along the edge of the road, but I looked like kind of into a clearing away from the edge of the road. There was a much bigger one there, and we walked there. There was a pile of junk there. Well, it turned out it wasn't a pile of junk. It was someone's home. And that someone came out of his home. I won't say brandishing a machete, but he certainly had a machete in hand, and it was not lying languidly by his side. It was indeed raised. And so it was a bit of harrowing, although it wasn't threatening. And he said, what are you ladies doing? And we said, we're looking at the strongback. And he proceeded to tell us all about this plant, how to use it, how to harvest it, lead us off on a little trip to find some even bigger than that, and to tell us his name was Mr. Beeline because all the ladies made a beeline for him. And if we wanted to make a beeline for him every morning about this time, he would tell us more about Jamaican herbal medicine. So we did Uh, indeed do that. And that was one of my first introductions to CEDA. It is most commonly known in the tropics as broomweed. And there are dozens and dozens of species of it. And as I said, I really noticed it in Costa Rica because it is all over the place in Costa Rica. And also because I have had more time to, to be with farmers and on um, in rural agricultural areas in Costa Rica. So I was really interested. Whenever I go to a place and I see that there's a weed that's very, 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 very common, I want to know how it's being used because that plant says to me, hey, you can really use me. Look how much of it there is. Then people kept saying, yeah, we'll use it as a broom. I'm like, okay. It's not like it's a big plant. You could, you know, tie it around a a stick and use it as a broom for sure. And it's, you know, kind of tough and wiry, so it would make a, a good broom. But I came home and I started looking in books to see what I could find about Sita. And can you imagine how surprised I was to find it right here in Stephen Pooner's Herbal Antibiotics book. I thought, what? He says 
the sedas are so widely distributed around the world and used in so many medicinal traditions that I can't even list all of their common names, especially their non-English common names, because there are just too many of them. Here's a few English ones. Spiny head, hornbeam, morning mallow, broomweed. The immensely durable branches are used everywhere that cedar grows to make brooms. Parts used, the whole plant, roots, leaves, stems, and seeds. Most people use just the above ground parts because it's simpler to harvest them, but in fact, anybody would thank you for digging up the root, although it's a very tough root to dig up. It is considered invasive, and people are really happy to have you take the whole thing away. Tincture and hot water extract are the strongest medicinal forms of cedar for internal use. There are no known side effects or contraindications, but it is traditionally used to prevent pregnancy. And mm. it does seem to interfere with egg implantation in mice. Thus, CETA should probably not be used by anyone who's trying to get pregnant or who is just newly pregnant. And even though CETA has traditionally been used later on in pregnancy, I would be uncomfortable using it if I were pregnant, says Stephen Booner. However, I would be uncomfortable anyway if I was pregnant. He does have a droll sense of humor. I think I would be uncomfortable if I was pregnant, too. <laughs> Almost anyone is uncomfortable when they're pregnant. I would imagine. <laughs> I've heard it, I heard it simple, you know, just playing. Herb drug interactions. No herb drug interactions are known or reported with CETA, but it is hypoglycemic, so it's possible that it could have make medications for diabetes work differently. Um, and you probably shouldn't use it if, if you're taking a pharmaceutical drug that is similar to uh, ephedrine because it contains some ephedrine from ephedra, um, and much like epinephrine. The properties of CETA are many. It is an adaptogen. So we could see CETA as kind of bridging between the antibiotic herbs that we've been studying for the past six months and the adaptogenic herbs that we're going to start studying for the next period of time. It is also an analgesic, which means it relieves pain, an anti-amoebic, it gets rid of amoeba, an antibacterial, anti-cancer, and it's anti-cancer because it's anti-neoplastic and anti-proliferative. It is anti-fertility, anti-inflammatory, anti-malarial, anti-microbial, antioxidant, anti-protozoal, anti-pyretic, anti-ulcerative, and anti-venin. What a lot of antis CETA has. It is a hematoprotectant, in other words, a blood protector, and a hematoregenerator helps the blood to regenerate. It is also hepatotonic and insecticidal. The one that is most often used is Ceda acuta, but I skipped over the point where Stephen was talking about 
um, of species used. There are 125 or perhaps 200 species of the genus Ceda distributed throughout the world, mostly in the tropics and subtropics. And the main species that's studied is Ceda acuta, but other species are just as potent, perhaps more so, including Ceda rhombifolia, Ceda cordifolia, Ceda tiagi, and Ceda spinosa, which are used where they grow. We find that Ceda acuta is, is active against Babesia, Bacillus, Escherichia, Herpes simplex, Listeria, Mycobacterium, Pasteurella, Plasmodium, Salmonella, Shigella, Staphylococcus, Streptococcus, Aspergillus, Candida, Escherichia, Klebsiella, Micrococcus, Pseudomonas, Vibrio, some pretty tough customers there that CEDA has been scientifically shown to get rid of. CEDA is also very high in protein. Depending on where it's grown, it can be 16 to 25% protein. Some cultures use the larger species as a pot herb and it is possible to use it as a primary protein source, especially if you are an evasivore. Oh. Evasivore. Have you heard of that term? I've never heard of that term. Um, Steven, evasivores eat only invasive species. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> and I was just actually, uh, on my blog talk show, I was uh, interviewing somebody. <laughs> who works a lot with invasive species. And we both agreed that the most invasive species on the planet is Homo sapiens. And Stephen goes on to say there are invasivores, but they have not publicly admitted to consuming Homo sapiens. I have not eaten Ceda, he goes on, but the tincture is delicious. One of the few tinctures that really delights the tongue. If you decide to try it as a vegetable, let me know what you think. The bark from the stems has been used for making cord, rope, and twine. And so it goes on and on and on, the things that we can do with cedar. All right, I'm skipping over a bunch of stuff here. Uh, where we're going to find it, how we're going to find it. Unitropics or subtropics, ask somebody to show your broom weed. That's its most common name. They will be, certainly be able to um, show you that. So let's get into the traditional uses of Ceda. Ceda acuta is so widely used in traditional medicinal practice that he has actually given us a little chart here of various cultures and uh, how they use it. He says that primarily it's used to treat fevers, malaria, headaches, skin diseases, infected wounds, diarrhea, dysentery, snake bites, asthma, gastrointestinal problems, and systemic infections. James Duke's database leaves 12 species of CETA that have been used traditionally and all for similar things. In Australia, CETA is used by the Aboriginal people to treat diarrhea and gastrointestinal problems. In Burkina Faso, it's used against fever, diarrhea, pulmonary infections, snake and insect bites. 
In Colombia, South America, broomweed is used against snake bite. In Guatemala and Nicaragua, in Central America, the cedar is used against asthma, renal inflammation, colds, fever, headache, ulcers, and intestinal worms. In Hawaii, cedar is used by the native islanders against vaginal infections. The flowers are chewed as a gentle laxative, and the whole plant pounded into a juice is used for general debility or to improve the condition of someone with asthma. In Kenya, cedar is considered a tonic, and it is frequently used as a pot green. In Nigeria, it is used against malaria, typhoid fever, toothache, sore gums, ulcers, fevers, gonorrhea, hysteria, bruises, eye infections, nosebleeds, breast cancer, poisoning, inflammation, sores, and wounds. In Sri Lanka, Sida is used against hemorrhoids, fevers, impotency, gonorrhea, and rheumatism, neuralgia, and hysteria. In Trinidad and Tobago, Sida is used for eczema. The man who told us about Sida in Jamaica, strong back in Jamaica, and took us right out into the jungle where we found a big one and dug up a big root. And these plants can have big roots. They can be real little up above ground. I remember looking at a Malva neglecta in Colorado, and it was maybe two or three inches above the ground. And I said to the woman, can we dig up the root of this? It was very dry, high mountain area in Colorado. She said, absolutely, there's tons of it here. And that root was almost three feet deep. Mm. Because these plants are plants that are soft and they need a lot of water. So in an arid region, they're going to go down. They have amazing, deep. amazing roots. So he said what you do is you take this piece of strong back. He helped us with this machete. Dig it up. And you take this piece of strong back and you go home and you boil it. And then you turn the fire off and you just let it steep in the pan. Well, wouldn't you know it, that afternoon we rescheduled all the retreatants and myself to go on a horseback ride. And we went on a horseback ride and one of the horses threw one of the women, wham, and she landed on the ground. And all the Jamaican guys are, are saying, oh, you're going to call an ambulance? And we said, we're not going to call an ambulance. We're, we're herbalists. We don't call ambulances. And they said, oh, what are you going to do? I said, we're going to take her home and we're going to feed her strong back. Well, that was it. That established my reputation as a bruja right then and there, didn't it? <laughs> that I already had the herb for her injury brewing on the stove. Beautiful. It was, it was such a lovely moment, and she indeed said that it made her feel better. But who knows? Perhaps it was just the attention that made her feel better. Sida is sometimes smoked in Mexico for its euphoric effects, and that's specifically Sida acuta and Sida rhombifolia. Well, once again, we have had we such are. a good time that we have used up all of our time. So we're going to we have to come back next week, finish up with Sita. We're going to um, find out about how it's used in Ayurvedic medicine, how it's used in traditional Chinese medicine. And one of the most interesting things to me is how Sita can be used against the snake bite of the poisonous pit vipers 
which live in South America. It is a plant that grows there and a plant that is specific against what the pit viper does. So we will be back. What will That will be the day after Halloween to talk about pit vipers hey. and not dying from snake bite by using Sida and wishing everybody a happy new year then. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients and restore herbal medicine as the medicine of the people. I really and appreciate it. thank you for being your help. the great orator of it and the educator of it. It is my pleasure. Green blessings, everybody. Good night. Good night and green blessings. You've been listening to Green Magic. Green Magic. Forbidden archaeology. Forgotten history. Divination. Magic. Cryptozoology. UFOs. Nature. Science. And spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.
Blessed are 